good. Hi, John. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has. How long has it been? Uh, February sometime. We last February? Recorded. Yeah. What are we now? April. So two and a half months ago. Yeah. Probably our biggest gap Blimey. ever, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so we're four. on series four. Yes, this is series four, isn't it? Yeah, we're not changing anything, are we? We haven't even had a conversation about it. <laughs> uh, are we changing anything? Well, I don't know. The usual commitment to try and do it a bit more often. Yeah. Without, you know, uh, getting too stressed about when we can't do it. Yeah, we've. I've really missed doing this. Uh, Me too. It, it's, a, it's an important step in my uh, mental stability. Is it? Yeah. I I pity you if I'm part of <laughs> part of your mental stability. Girl. Welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. This is episode ninety, and um, we'd be on a lot more episodes if we actually pulled our finger out. But uh, on the other end of the line is Rob Turpin, illustrator, designer, flower ranger, driver, um, mud wrestler, and yep. ex barman. All of the above. Yep. All of the above. <laughs> so, what have you been up to, Rob? Since uh, since we went away last time, you've been on holiday, haven't you? Had a big holiday. We've both been on holiday, haven't we? Yeah. I went on a hot holiday, John. <laughs> uh, we'll get to yours in a minute, shall we? Uh, yeah, I went with my wife to the Maldives. Had a couple of weeks of tropical paradise on a little coral atoll straddling the equator. I wasn't personally straddling the equator that atolls were. Um, but yeah, it was delightful. It was um, sun and sea and cocktails, which isn't a bad, a bad thing. Yeah, mine was, um, mine was none of those. <laughs> was it not? No, not even a cocktail. Oh, come on. No. I had seven days. Um, I had seven days of rain in southern Italy. Seven days of rain. Apparently, Apulia is from the Latin "never rains." And, really? Yeah, and it's uh, it gets two weeks of rain in the year, and we were there seven oh. nights, and it rained seven days. Oh dear! Yeah. Did you manage to find things to do while you were there? Um, just go to towns and wander around damply okay. and eat an ice cream. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's not much to do if the sun's yeah. not shining in southern Italy. Is it reasonably sort of provincial down there or are the kind of big towns with stuff? It's a lot more populated than I thought. Uh, I thought it would be really kind of countrified. Um, mm. But no, we, it was quite industrial where we were. Uh, well, a large town, um, very busy. The driving was insane. The food was okay. You know, it's quite robust and peasant-like. Yeah. So, um, but the, the thing is... Everybody always raves about Italian pizza, but, you know, even the pizza people there were saying a pizza is a pizza, isn't it? It's a bit of hot bread with some cheese on it. Yeah. It doesn't get, you know, you have a really good pizza, but you can't have an exceptional pizza, can you? Can you? I don't know. <sighs> you can have the moment that you enjoyed a good pizza in. True. It was an exceptional time. True. Yes. But it's not exquisite or, you know. No, the memory of the the food doesn't often linger that long, does it? No. Uh, I went to a good beer, little beer hall. They're starting to get into their craft beers okay. even down there, and um, had some smoked beer, which I'd never had before. Oh, I love which smoked is beer. That's German, quite German, right? Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it comes down from the Alps, 
Um, mm. And they call it raucht beer, raucht? Yeah, they do. I love it. Yeah. Um, really delicious and a lovely sort of smoky taste, but not in your face. It's not too too much. It's not like, yeah. you know, swigging a bit of uh, of ashtray that you poured some beer into. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's kind of, it, it's like a, kind of a smoky whiskey kind of yeah. peatyness, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think, uh, what we talk about now. We talk about what's on our desks, I guess. Currently on my desk, uh, I'm working on, uh, a new print. So I started doing this doodle about two and a half weeks ago, which is just kind of, you know, one of my little scribbly pencil things. And, um, like a little sci-fi thing. I didn't know if it was going to be a spaceship or anything. And, uh, I thought, oh, that's all right. So I carried on, then I carried on and carried on until I filled a whole A4 sheet of paper with all this kind of mechanicalness and pipes and tubes and valves and whatnots. So it's kind of vaguely sort of Akira, Matrixy looking thing. Uh, and then I decided that as if that wasn't enough work, I'd blow it up even bigger and ink it uh, and make a print of it. So I've I've done a I've done the inked version which I've hand coloured because someone's bought that so that's going off to them soon and then I've been working today last couple of days doing a digital coloured version um, which should be up in the store I don't know what do you reckon next week uh, yeah if yeah, yeah. I I probably get it I, I'm away next uh, middle of the next week but yeah okay you can get it up as soon as you like cool um, and I'm really happy with it it's had lots of love on um, Twitter. So, uh, so that's been quite exciting. Uh, what else has been on my, well, since we've last spoken, what else have I been up to? I watched, uh, Love, Death and Robots on Netflix. Have you seen, heard any of that? Uh, it, it flashed up as a preview and it just, mm. it looked like manga nonsense, but. So it's a, it's a series, I think produced by David Fincher. Oh, okay. The film director. Yeah. We did Seven and Zodiac and stuff. Uh, and it's a bunch of different creators have come together to make this uh, series of animated sci-fi films. I think there's 12 or 15 of them. It's quite long. And some of them are only five minutes long. Some of them are 20 minutes long. Uh, and they're all wildly different styles. Um, but despite some really absolutely stellar technical stuff going on. You know, some really breathtaking animation. Uh, it's God awful as a series because it is so, so misogynistic and sexist and kind of sort of late eighties, nineties kind of laddish stuff. It's kind of sexualized violence and nudity and gore. Uh, and I think if there was one or two of the episodes were like that, you'd think, fine, it's, you know, there's lots of episodes, something for everyone, whatever. But um, it's the majority of them. And it's kind of the whole series feels a bit like that, bar, you know, kind of two or three episodes. And you just think they must have looked at it as a whole and thought, this, is, this isn't quite the right balance. Um, but it's still out there. So it's a really weird watch because most of them you watch and you think, oh, that's 
clever, but Jesus, you know, that's like a teenage boy's fantasy. Um, so it's really strange for a big old show on Netflix. It kind of got a lot of love for kind of the concept stuff and style and technical aspects of it, but um, it was roundly slammed, I think, on Twitter for its attitudes. And did you did you agree with that before you saw other people's uh, thoughts, or were you? I watched it before I'd kind of seen much of the comment on Twitter. So, but it, I mean, it makes you cringe watching it. Some of it, mm. it's so obviously, you know, some blokes have made it. Uh, you know, I don't want to be prudish. I mean, it's an adult animation series. You can expect a bit of nudity and violence and stuff, but it's just, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't quite right. And the other thing I've just watched, sticking with Netflix, is Black Summer, which is a new zombie series. Oh, I saw um, that uh, advertised last night. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a series on Netflix called Zed Nation, which is a zombie thing. And this is, I think, set in the same world. And it's, uh, at first I thought it was a bit, you know, generic zombie stuff, but it follows a group of survivors of, as they work, try to make their way to a football stadium to get evacuated from uh, the kind of suburbs of this city. Um, and it's, but it's chopped up into really little chapters. Um, and the, the, it kind of follows different characters and then they overlap and it kind of, you'll see the same thing from two different viewpoints and it's quite cleverly done. Uh, and in the end, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's not, I think it's only 10 episodes. Um, but it's well worth watching. That doesn't sound like a cup of tea, Rob. It's not a cup of tea. Uh, I've got fizzy water. Oh, right. With some ice in it. How, how are you yeah, feeling? I'm still, not feeling? I'm still a bit ill, but much better than I was. Oh. Um, I've got, so I've got a little beer. Um, a little beer? Yeah, a little can of Budvar. Oh. A really excellent beer. And I've never seen it in tins before. I really yeah. recommend it. It's really super fresh tasting. Yeah, I like Budvar. Um, I, haven't, I haven't had any Budvar for ages. It and, used to be all the rage I when know. I was... It's such a good, it's such London. a great Czech, you know, you can't get many good Czech beers in mm. the UK in normal pubs. Um, well, you probably can now because there's a billion different beers, but this mm. is, it just reminds you of what a really good Pilsner tastes like. Um, and uh, I recommend um, getting it in a tin. I think it tastes really nice and it's, at least half the price of most of those trendy uh, punk IPA jobbies. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll look that up. <clears throat> Bud Varp. See if my local shop has got some. Uh, uh, the other thing I did since we last spoke, because yep. I had a birthday, uh, and my wife bought me the Lego Saturn V model. All right. So that's, a, 19, that's about a metre long, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. 1,969 pieces uh, for 1969. Oh, uh, very nice. And it, it was quite brilliant. I was, it's the first big Lego thing I've ever done. Um, and I was just amazed at how it all came together and how clever the whole thing was. Um, and the people who make the instructions deserve a medal because uh, how they make it so clear is uh, astonishing. Mm. So, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Did you build that in one go then? It took me two days yeah. on and off. Yeah. Yeah. A pleasurable build. Was it repetitive it was. in places or was it? No, no, it was really, really good. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a good, a good large, a large Lego build is, is mm. a kind of Zen experience, isn't it? It is. 
You try. Yeah. You're, not, you're trying not to go too fast, so that because <laughs> yeah, you don't want it to end. No, but also you're trying to keep up a pace where your fingers are. You just feel naturally like you're just building all the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just I got a Mini Cooper for I think for my for Christmas. Yeah. Um, and uh, I finished that the other week. Um, although I've had lots of bits missing in it, annoyingly. Oh. And I've had to send off send off for things twice, which I've never had to do before. Yeah, I thought I had a bit missing, but I realised I'd just thrown it in the bin accidentally. Uh, yeah, no, uh, cereal bowls are good for Lego. So uh, what's been on your desk? Well, I'm, I've been working on a project that is... A, I don't know what I said last time, what I was working on before, but it's a, a website that I built previously and has subsequently been copied and pasted uh, around the world. I think it's, uh, there's, I don't know how many iterations there are, about eight of them, something Ooh. like that. Um, and they're refreshing the design. So I'm, I'm, it's like the fourth bridge, really. Right. Um, and they wanted lots of uh, bells and whistles. So uh, I've kind of bitten off far too much <laughs> than I can yeah. chew on my own because um, I'm doing the content and uh, the illustrations and the coding and the content management system. Um, so it's, yeah, I've bitten off far too much and I've also got like just lots of other jobs um, on at the moment. So it's, it's not pleasurable. It's just, it's just a churn and it has been like that yeah. for probably over a year. Um, I'm not doing this very well, am I? I, sh- <laughs> I should be a bit more experienced. So what's the plan? <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm having a break. I'm going to have a break. I don't know if I'll be able to do that exactly on the 1st of June as I previously planned, but. It will be near as damn it. Um, I'm having real trouble convincing clients that they need to leave me alone for a bit. Uh, I had one who emailed me that they wanted to import my diary so that they could see where I was at any given <gasps> point. I know. Yeah. Dear God. I know. Uh, and they're all like that. So I think it's time to have a little clear out. I'm my worst enemy. I understand that. And I acknowledge that I say yes far too often to people. But... I've I've come to the end of my tether, as I said in the last episode. <laughs> um, but um, I need a rest, and I need to no, well, take stock a, and think about stuff. Yeah. So my plan is to stop in June and possibly go back in September into client work in a different, slightly different guise. Um, You're gonna wear a hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna wear a face mask. <laughs> um, uh, and no, just in a slightly different guise, and concentrate on a couple of little projects over the summer. Um, and also look after my daughter, do a bit of gardening, just take some time away from the computer, um, which is kind of madness because I just spent three and a half grand on a new computer. <laughs> as, oh, yeah, I did that as well. As have you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've, um, yeah, so it, it's, um, it's been fun. No, it hasn't been fun. The last few, the last couple <laughs> of years has not been fun, but you know, right. uh, I'm just, I need to re, I need to stop saying yes to everything. Uh, it's diff- it's so difficult. I mean, every, I think everyone who's self-employed understands that difficulty in turning down work, particularly from existing clients. You know, if you're doing some work for a client, it's very hard to say no to something else, even if it's not really the thing that you do. 
Often it's not even, you're not even, you're having a conversation about this, the job that you're doing and they ask you to do a little, it's like a subroutine in programming, you know, you just sort mm. of go sub, can you do this while you're doing that? Um, but they all have knock-on effects and um, clients, my, my clients just seem oblivious to that fact. So I got myself involved in an amazing branding job um, whereby the client was working for another client and had given them an idea that they'd sketched out in keynote or PowerPoint or something like that. And then passed it to me as a branding job saying, this is the branding. They've agreed to this in concept. Can you get it done by next Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> Which point God. I should just say, you know, take a running leap. But yeah, uh, when you're kind of, you become slightly friendly with people and you think, oh, I'll just get you out of a hole or I'll give you some mm. advice before you know it, you're involved in conversations and emails and you're drawn into the whole process. Um, but even after, after everything was signed off, uh, the agents, the, the client of the client came back with a completely different logo that got signed <laughs> off. So it was a complete waste of time and um, utter madness. Yeah. Um, and then I, and then I agreed to the same one uh, to do some infographics, um, which, you know, I don't mind doing and there's statistics yeah. and stuff. Turns out they wanted a movie making. That, that's not an infographic, is it? Who told them that was an infographic? No, no, nobody told them that. It was just they. They came back and said that's that's their internal language that they use to describe what a movie is. A film. Uh, wow. Yeah, I know. So I ended up having to make a film over a weekend <laughs> with no content, and you know, yeah, was Kitty your key grip? <laughs> but I'm an idiot. Why? Why do I agree to it? And it just dilutes and. Um, and uh, and keeps me from the things that I really want to be doing. I just this, have this uh, thing, this panic button in my mind of not making enough money. Um, yes, and I well, I jump for the panic button every time. Well, you've you've got a thing in your uh, your kind of newsy bits, um, which isn't specifically about that, but it's almost like uh, you, we, let me just jump to talk to this thing, and you can talk about it as well. Focus, mate. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to describe it? Okay. So uh, I was, I don't know where I read this, but um, there is a, an app that you can, or, or a kind of social media group that you can join where if you're a solo worker, um, you can join Focusmate and it will um, throw up on a um, webcam, a complete random stranger who is also working remotely. <laughs> And you have a conversation about what it is you're both working on. And then you have to agree to certain goals while you're working at what I don't know. I don't know if it's a, what, it's an hour block or something. Um, and then off you go afterwards. I wonder, does it share your screen with you? Yes, them? it does. So that so they can see if you're on, in, on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking the reason I thought of that is because you could do with that for kind of like a, like a wingman. For when a client gets in touch to ask you to do something really stupid, yeah, and you're on the verge of saying yes, your uh, your internet wingman could go, "No, John, no." <laughs> that would be called a business partner, Rob. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I agree, but isn't that the most? Li we really come to this as a society so where we're we're so we're so lonely or so we're so distracted by everything around the actual 
task in hand, that we need to have a total random stranger looking in on our room on video and expect very... them to admonish us. <gasps> what? what if they get distracted by what's in the background well, exactly. of your video? I know. Well, the, yeah, the, the review the of it shop. was the, the, the lady who wrote it was just uh, writing about what she could see. She wasn't really <sighs> doing any work at all. That is, that is the strangest thing. Distraction-free I mean, so, productivity. I, I am so tempted to give it a go if you can kind of have, you know, one free free try at yeah. it. I don't know. Um, try focus, mate, now. I've, yeah, I'm going to have a go at that. We should record this while doing it and see if we get a better show out of it. Can't be, <laughs> can't be too difficult, can it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so what else? Um, so, yeah, so stopping in June and... Um, uh, other things like, uh, yeah, so I've been, what have I been reading? Um, when on holiday, they, there were about five books in this pokey little place we were living in. And, uh, one of them was Winter by Len Dayton, of whom okay. I am, we've spoken a lot. Yes. Graphic designer, illustrator, and writer. This one is a, it's a weird one. It's a, again, it's a kind of like a subroutine of his spy books where it, goes through a history of the German state from 1900 all the way through to 1945 of concentrating on a particular family who appear in some of his other books. Um, but it's a completely separate book and stylistically okay. very different. But it's very poignant in terms of what's going on today with the rise of the far right and um, uh, unstable international politics. And well worth a well worth a read. If you haven't read any Len Dayton, it's very Ooh. different, but it's um it's a you know it's it's almost like a Ken Follett version of a of a history book, right? Uh, so yeah, it does rattle through the years, but it's it's really really good. Um, I've just finished Galilee by Clive Barker, who is a horror kind of genre writer, a bit in the style of N- Neil Gaiman, <coughs> Stephen King. Yeah, kind of guy. I read lots of his books when I was a teenager. Yeah, I never did. I I, I remember some of the films, and he wrote. Did he write Hellraiser? Did he? Write- he did. Yeah, it's based on a book called The Hellbound Heart. Okay, um, I didn't enjoy it hugely. He's one of these writers that needs that has been told that he can just go off and write whatever he likes. Um, I think that's just yeah, because he's been so successful. Uh, just neat. Ne- it, yeah. it was a six hundred page book that could have been two hundred pages, oh. but it was an interesting story about. It's kind of an American God style where. Um, there's a family, uh, an American family who are a bit like the Kennedys and, but they've been afforded that position in society by a godlike family who live in, um, North Carolina in some, uh, in a, in a house, in a sort of colonial house that was designed by, um, oh, I think it was designed by Thomas Jefferson. I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, and it's how those two families are constantly at war. Um, but it doesn't really go anywhere and it kind of ambles through and there's lots of dreamy passages. And, you know, yeah. I did a lot of skip reading on it, I have to say. Yeah, I read a couple of books by Peter F. Hamilton on holiday. Um, Pandora Star and, I don't know, something else, the sequel. And they were huge books. They were a thousand pages each or 1,100 pages. Oh my God, does that man need an editor? I'm, I promised myself I'll never, ever read another book by him again. Oh, dear. Some interesting ideas, but... Books don't need to go could, on for a thousand pages. Could have pages. written in 350 pages. <laughs> Unless they're sagas or, you know... Yeah. I don't know. 
Um, but I tell you what, a book I did read that was really, really great. Um, well, I'm, I'm reading at the moment, which is Erebus. It's by Michael Palin. I didn't okay. realize he'd written it. It's about one of, uh, it is about an Arctic explorer ship, um, yep. that sank in trying to find the Northwest Passage in yeah. 18 something, 1850 something or other. Um, and it's a just literally a biography of the ship rather than the people who, okay. who, um, lived on it. And yeah. he writes so well. You know, he's such an underrated writer. He's written so many brilliant screenplays and, you know, autobiographical and diaries and stuff. I've never re- read any of his kind of serious fiction or serious, um, narrative stuff and um he's he's just brilliant so i'm really itching to to read read on Mm. it's just one of those fascinating things isn't it a ship that's been under underwater but only 35 feet underwater so the masts would have been sticking out for i don't know how how long they lasted but um, no i love i love kind of uh polar exploration books whether kind of fictional or fact i've read a couple of books about the franklin expeditions which was the erebus and the terror and there's also uh what's his name dan simmons i think wrote the terror about about the expedition but kind of uh, giving it a bit of a supernatural twist oh okay is, i think i might have read a dan simmons but there's actually a t-, a t they made that into a tv series okay yeah <clears throat> um yeah i might have to give that a go sounds good uh, yeah, watching wise, I, I've um, I'm kind of in. I've just sort of been bit watching things. I watched Hannah, um, which was a okay. film and is now a Amazon series. Yeah, uh, great start. Uh, just need again, editor doesn't need eight episodes. He needed like yeah. three episodes. Yeah. Um, OA, I've started. Did you watch uh, the, what, first the first episode? series? Yeah. Okay. Um, the first series of the OA, the second series has just launched recently on Netflix now. The first series was one of my favourite things I've watched in the last four or five years. Okay. Uh, but a lot of people absolutely hated it. Well, that, <laughs> uh, polarised is obviously the best, you know, can be the yeah. best way. I start, I've been watching, bit watching Punisher, um, yeah. which I've been enjoying in just a kind of astonished, slack-jawed way yeah. of how violent um, a TV show can be with a main protagonist who you actually feel some sympathy for, but is yeah, actually really him, a monster. He is, yeah. <laughs> it's just horrific. Yeah, um, a monster with a heart. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Frankenstein kind of character, yeah, isn't he? Absolutely. Um, Afterlife, Ricky Gervais's latest thing. What do you think? I, really I haven't like watched it because I don't like him. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. Well, no, I really, really. I, said, I, I don't like him I, as It made a person, me cry a bit. Um, so. It just reminds me of my dad, uh, if okay. we can say, yeah. Um, yeah, just a, a conflicted and angry person. Um, yeah, uh, it, it it it's beautifully shot. It's a bit like yeah. the Detectorists in that way. Yeah, they've gone for that kind of uh, pastoral mm. English countryside. Um, but uh, yeah, and thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, a film I never watched, but I always. When you read about a film and all they talk about is the natural lighting in it, you kind of think this is it's so should- weird because. Has this been re-released or something? Because I I uh, was going to watch this the other day. Oh right, no, I just um, it's just been in my head for ages to re yeah. to watch. It's Barry Lyndon, which Kubrick. is uh, Kubrick's sort of post um, two thousand and one film. Um, I think he made that between that and uh, The Shining. 
mm. which couldn't be too, you know too stylistically opposed kind of films. Um, Barry Lyndon sort of sits in the middle, and it's a really strange, dark, um, yeah, just um, really, I don't know. Really, did you enjoy it? Really upsetting film. Um, did I enjoy it? Uh, I don't like Ryan Neal. I think he's an ass. Um, mm. And I, yeah, I thought it was beautiful. But you know, for for a film that when you just all the praises about the lighting, you're kind of lacking a bit, aren't you? Yeah. Have you seen uh, the early Ridley Scott film, The Duelist? Yes, I love that film. Yeah, I love that as well. Yeah, I kind of that, when I think about Barry Lyndon, I always wonder if there's similarities between that and the Duelist because the Duelist is a stunningly beautiful film to look at as well. Yeah, I I think Barry Lyndon is much more a kind of um, Tristan Shandy kind of uh, okay, or what was that for Tom Jones? Yeah, uh, kind of uh, the lifestyle, the you know the the life um, thread of a single person, a single character. Okay, it doesn't get into um, like into relationships and stuff. He's not a nice person either, in it. Um, but you're meant to feel for him. So mm. that's that's what I've been um watching, and I've got a little playlist of things I've been listening to. But I'll just put that. I'll just share that in the show notes. I haven't got time now to go into that. So you've got Carter, the Unstoppable. Section. Yes. Um, been listening to that loads. I think it's quite poignant and uh quite. Uh, it hasn't aged at all about his social commentary of what's happened, especially London living. Of <coughs> is that is that the album with the only living boy in New Cross? Yeah, it's um, hundred and one damnations. Yeah, uh, I was I was big big Carter fan back in. Uh, I think I I'd just gone to no, I was between I was probably between A levels and going to university when their first album came out. So when I went to university, they were massive. Um, yeah. And I saw them loads, play live loads. Yeah, I saw them once when I went to visit a mate at uni. Ended up playing pool with them. <laughs> right. And brilliant live set. Mm. I don't think, they're not together anymore, are they? I don't know. Mm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got a new Mac coming, Rob. You how exciting. How, so how, is your, how is your brand new Mac? Cause it, it's good. Yeah. Um, I haven't tested it really yet. You know, I haven't. Um, my old one was just getting sluggish and it'd stop and where you kind of wouldn't do anything and it was getting glitchy. Um, so this has just been seamless. So I went for the, the top of the line 27 inch iMac, but you've, you've upped that even further, haven't you? You've gone SSD and the top of the range graphics card as well. I think SSD all the way. I think I, mm. I, I, I've got a fusion drive. I'm not a massive fan, but I think if you're not chucking a load of files around, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I think with the 3D card, I think that that will run cooler as well. I'm a bit, because I, I think I spoke about this before. I, I was kind of arming and arming whether to build my own machine or go Windows or mm-hmm. go iMac Pro. But this thing came out and it seems like they're underclocking it. So it's not running at super heat. <clears throat> so it's not running full speed, but it's not going to also f- suffer the same as mine has, which is just overstressed. Um, yeah. And I think with the higher video card, it runs cooler than the le- okay. lesser one. So I think if you're stretching it, it's going to be, again, run cooler. But it's yeah, like, bet- it's a grand and a half cheaper than the Pro. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of extra dough, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I haven't heard the fan running really on mine since I've had it 
Right. Um, whereas it used to be running all the time on my old one. Right. I don't think you'll hear that if, unless you're multi doing like uh, yeah. Premiere Pro or 3D stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I use, you know, it's, yes, a little bit of Photoshop, but it's it's mainly Illustrator and InDesign and those <coughs> only run on single threads. So buying yep. a massive multi-threaded machine is just a waste of time. You just mm-hmm. need loads of memory and, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no. I'm anyway. I'm excited. It's gonna. I'm, I'm gonna replace like for like, basically, which is a bit depressing. <clears throat> spending that much money. It is a bit <laughs> depressing when it comes and it looks exactly like your old one. Did your previous one have the Retina screen then? It didn't. Right. But it looks the same. Yeah. No, mine's the same. Did, can you notice the screen? Uh, you notice it when you're watching a film, right? But not. When you're working, Not when you just work, because because no. uh, my eyesight's hit. You know, I'm of an age where my eyesight, I can't really tell the difference between HD and <laughs> non HD. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? It is. I'm I'm getting there as well. Yeah. Uh, should we do some news? Let's. Anyways, yeah, it's arriving tomorrow, so very excited. Oh, cool. I'm going to do some measuring of uh, files uh, opening. Just you know. Oh, to, you're gonna to, to delight the massive. compare and contrast. Well, I, I may, yeah, yeah. I want to see how much faster it is at opening this file Ooh. I'm trying to work on at the moment, which takes me ten minutes to open it. <laughs> <laughs> how much RAM have you got? Uh, in the new one, yeah, uh, I've just bought thirty-two extra, so it will have forty. Be 40 yeah, but I, you can get you can get one hundred and twenty-eight into it. Apple say sixty-four, but you can I double know. it up. Yeah. Oh, my pie has arrived. Oh, out of the depths. Talking of Erebus and Terra, this is <laughs> the, the racing of the polar, up This has come from your polar regions. <laughs> yeah, in our freezer. This one yeah. was picked. Uh, this was picked on the fourteenth of September, two thousand and eighteen or seventeen. Yeah, eighteen. That is rancid, okay. isn't it? I think that's that, not, it's also been burnt. Yeah. Oh, well, well, we'll see. It's meant to be bright and summery, but it looks like it's been seven months ago. Uh, news. I will start. Dave Raposa is a comic artist, and he's been posting uh, in-progress shots of this drawing that he's been doing, digital drawing, and he's been live streaming it on Twitch. And I haven't bothered with that, but I saw this about a week ago when he'd done some of it. I thought, blimey, that's good. Uh, and he's now posted the final uh, image. And it's this, he it's a, so happy to finish this. He's a Sikh-inspired character concept I did to play with mixing cultures and adapting them into a Final Fantasy IX type aesthetic, but with more realism. Uh, can you see the... Yeah. It's in, can you see the picture? It's astonishing. It is... Uh, it's just incredible. But the richness... The, you know, this, he's drawn this character and it's so believable. There's kind of huge turban on his head, crisscrossed with chains and buckles and all sorts of stuff going on. And the, just the richness and believability of it is breathtaking, I think. Um, it's one of those characters that looks like it's taken a long time to get to that point. You know, he hasn't just put on these clothes that he's found. It, it's kind of earned this this look. Uh, and I think that's a really rare thing to achieve in a character design. Um, and I honestly think it's one of the best character illustrations I've ever seen. It's, it reminds me a bit of Sergio Toppi. I just think it's jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd share that. 
So who is Dave Raposa? Do you know? He's comic. He's a comic artist. He spent a lot of time on that, hasn't he? He has. Yes. That is astonishing. Like you say, the character feels like it has not just slung those things on. They they are a lifetime acquired weight to them. Absolutely lived. He's lived it. It's absolutely astonishing. I could look at it for a long time. Talking of things that you might look at for a long time. That's a good segue, mm. this one. Yeah, um, uh, Never short of a good storyline, Charles Arthur, uh, ex-Guardian tech editor. Yep. He has a blog called The Overspill, and it has little snippets of um, of tech news on there mixed up with all sorts of things, a bit like our stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But he's saying that um, their new uh, Huawei, uh, Huawei, <laughs> or if you if you watch any British news uh, station, they all pronounce it all slightly differently. Yeah. Um, but um, their new phone, the P30, um, has been getting rave reviews for its photography. Mm-hmm. But it also highlights a uh, a new kind of trend in technology, whereby is is the technology doing it. Is the light doing it or is the user doing it in terms of taking a picture? Um, They've got a new moonshot mode on the phone. So if you, um, I I think the camera is so good on this that they've got a third camera on the back that has got a prism that fires, it's got uh, like, five times optical zoom. Yes. So it fires the light to 90 degrees into a space mm. inside the phone, which then captures. So it gives it the space to create that zoom. Yeah. Which is insane, isn't it? It is. Um, so, um, but, uh, so this thing fires up that particular lens and you fire it at the moon and it will zoom in and create a stabilized, amazing looking shot of the moon. Cool. Cause it's very hard to get a picture of the moon with your <laughs> but, smartphone. People are doubting this capability and it's hard because the phone has only just come out of China and it's been tested by a lot of uh, um, state sponsored mm-hmm. blogs. Um, but um, people are saying that they think that what who are we doing is that they are they have a library of pre-taken close up moonshots and they are mapping these high resolution shots over the top of the photo that's taken in wow. real time and therefore creating an image that isn't what the user yeah. thinks they are seeing, but they, <laughs> they are taking it. And the, uh, I think the ramifications for this are massive yeah. in the fact that if we've hit that time where computing power can create an image on the fly before the user knows that they, or believes that it's not a true image, then we are in dangerous times. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> you know, we're already at that stage where Photoshop yeah, files are exactly the same as photographic images. Isn't, you can't tell the difference between the two. Um, but if our cameras are lying to us, <laughs> then we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. it's We're well used to kind of people lying about photographs and, you know, cropping photographs and using photographs in a certain way. But if the camera is lying to the person taking the photograph, yeah, we're in, you, yeah, we're in dangerous times. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, on that note, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll talk about colorize. Yes, I thought that had a good segue. Uh, which Again, I don't know. Have you seen colorize? Yes. So it's machine learning. I think we looked at it ages ago as a really early Did start. We? 
Yeah. Oh, maybe. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that was the same thing. Was it not? Similar thing, but I don't think it was the same tech. Uh, so basically, you can upload a black and white photographs to colorize, and it colorizes them. Um, but it does an amazing job for a, you know, a, a web browser based machine learning thing. It's quite astonishing, uh, how well it, it deals with things. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously again, that, you know, it's based on a, a massive library of, of images that it refers to, but it's, uh, it's very, very clever. Mm. Have you given it a go? No, I think. I think we tried this before. I, I really yeah. do. No, I haven't okay. given it a go, but I will. I'll give it a new go and see what see what I think. Yeah, it's very clever. It's it's uh, it's it's so good now. You think, damn, how good's that going to be in you know two or three years time? It's going to be almost seamless. Yeah. Well, it's super quick. Is it? Yeah, it takes like ten seconds. <laughs> it's uh, it's scary. Uh, so what else have you got, Jonathan? I saw a new games machine, <laughs> uh, which I think has been, uh, my title is it's hit in the face with the ugly joystick. Nice. Um, Capcom have, I, I like this kind of retro gaming thing. Uh, Nintendo have done it, haven't they? They've got yeah, mini yeah. soup and NES and, um, there's the uh, Atari one that still hasn't arrived. Isn't there? <laughs> yeah. uh, we were very sceptical about that at the beginning, mm. weren't we? Um, but um, Capcom have made a um, an arcade style, um, obviously, because their heritage is arcade. Yep. So the controller for it is a proper knobbly joystick as used to get in the arcade machines. And it's got a load of games on it. Um, you know, all of the Capcom classics like... Um, it's big, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. Ghouls and Ghosts bloody, and Street Fighter. It's huge. But this thing is disgusting. It looks <laughs> it's absolutely horrific. Whoever designed this is an idiot. And it's just, if you imagine the Capcom logo, it's that cut out in plastic. And that is your control panel that you're going to put in front of the telly and play against somebody else. But it's enormous. I mean, because I can it's imagine the people. The brand or the marketing manager of this has got... Big cojones. I'm yeah. like, we're going to have our brand all over this machine. And that's all it is. It is just literally like really badly yeah. beveled edges. Like, I wonder if it's, is it the same size as the console would be on like a two player arcade? Yes. Because it's it, three quarters of a meter wide. I know. It's ridiculous. But it's not comfortable, <laughs> is it? It's not square or round or I, anything. I don't it's- know how two people would play it. You're just going to fight over it. Where? What would you put it on? Because you need it at an exactly. angle, don't you? Yeah. It's shown at an angle. Yeah. It's ludicrous and <sighs> stupid and really expensive. I love how angry it gets you. Uh, how expensive is it? Uh, it's coming right up. I think it's a couple hundred quid. Yeah, £199.99p. Oh, yeah. Jeez. If you buy that, you are a doofus. Uh, I'm sure some people will be. But it's absolutely hideous. Absolutely hideous. I don't think I've ever seen an, an uglier piece of industrial design in my life. Um, yeah. Uh, talking of redesigns, we always have one. Kellogg's have been redesigned by Landor, who aren't really known for doing commercial, um, you know, like consumer packaging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there is, as in as ever, whoever writes for Design Week need to uh, get rid of a few of their um, adjectives. 
or just stop copying and pasting press oh. releases. Yeah. Um, it's the largest packaging redesign ever, apparently, apart from the last time they somebody redesigned Kellogg's what? cereal. Hang on. My first job in design was uh, repackaging Tesco Value yeah. as 1,500 products. Yeah. I don't think there's 1,500 Kellogg's cereals. No, there? I don't think there is either. No. Um, Outrageous. Yeah, there's lots of inverted commas all the way through. Uh, the, old, the old packaging was muddled and sent out mixed messaging. No, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. It was a cereal and you knew where to buy it. For. I didn't ever walk down the aisle of the cereal thing thinking, where are the cornflakes? Did you? No. But I quite like the new stuff. I think it looks fabulous. I really, yeah. I think it's really clean and I don't know what it looks like in reality because these mm. are 3D rendered things. You know, yeah. once you've got all the advertising all over it, who knows? But... Um, I don't think the the other ones look so good, but the cornflakes pack packet looks super fresh, <coughs> really good typography, and they yeah. kind of um they've offset the logo, so they've made it sort of uh thirty twenty percent larger than the actual so panel, and it's cut off at the edges. But because it's so recognisably the brand, is it looks fabulous. Um, it does. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah, R- great work. Um, just the language in that article just makes me want to weep. Yeah. Uh, it's everything that is bad about design. Um but yeah, well done Landor. It's good good yeah. packets. Good work. Nice I packet. My- I bet they made a packet too. I can hear my pie. What is it stairs. coming up the stairs? It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a rare pie. Uh, yeah. Thank you, dear. Oh, let's talk about Accenture. Oh yeah. Talking about uh, design stuff. I can't remember who did Accenture used to be. They changed their name, didn't they? They were one of these big. Were they like uh, Price Waterhouse or something like? I don't think it's Price Waterhouse Coopers, or maybe it is. Don't know. It was one of those big multi-brand uh, consultancy accountancy firms, wasn't it? That rebranded. Uh, so they were doing. Uh, they were responsible for um, Hertz Rent Car's new website. They were hired uh, as a management consultancy company to revamp Hertz's online presence worldwide, uh, mobile, tablet, desktop, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, and Hertz is now suing Accenture for more than $32 million because they've just abjectly failed to do what they were asked to do. It's not only have they, uh, two years, around two years late delivering this, but they've not delivered uh, uh, a responsive website. They've designed a desktop version and a mobile version. They haven't integrated um, uh, kind of all the the uh, data across it so that it can be used across all their different regions. Apparently, it's written in awful code. It's a security risk. Uh, and every time Hertz have pointed things out to them, they said, "Oh, we can fix that, but it's going to cost you X hundreds of thousands more dollars." And uh, it's staggering, isn't it? Um, it's definitely a story that uh, needs more information. Um, and it sounds like Accenture have dropped the ball on this massively. But I would say the my feelings of it, having read the article and a couple of others is that the onus is on Hertz here. Uh, you know, so Hertz's senior management have dropped the ball. Um, 
And these, these sound like kind of lawyer approved responses to, to, uh, the possible legal fight that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, that if Hertz's management and design management and marketing management hadn't spotted this from the first presentation that they were shown when there must have been a pitch process and then, yeah. you know, and then sort of development process from this, um, then they must be utter idiots uh, to allow yeah. that, that much money to be spent without getting what they want. Um, I think it's a perfect uh, example of the client not knowing what it was they wanted to end up with and therefore not being able to communicate that. But there's, there must have been dozens and dozens of design professionals in between. Yeah, on a the, job this big. Yeah, so it, it there's something else behind here that isn't, it isn't yeah. stacking up. I mean, for them to come out and say that they hadn't designed a responsive kind of thing is very, is, is really strange, isn't it? Cause that's, you know, that's one of the first things you start looking at. Um, yeah. But it sounds like they've gone with the, I mean, why would you go to a large management consultancy agency to get your designs done? Strange, isn't it? It sounds really weird. Yeah. <clears throat> really, really weird. Um, I imagine that the Hertz system is, you know, 80% legacy, lots yeah, of yeah. old systems and terminals <clears throat> based at dusty airports all over mm. the world. And that trying to tie all this together is probably the same job that, um, that when, you know, all the agencies were trying to get NHS systems up and running and yeah. failed abjectly. Uh, it's a, it, and that's possibly why you'd have to go with a large accountancy firm to do it. But yeah, it's, I, I'd like, I really want to find out what happens here because this is, this is going to be bigger than 32 million because there's going to be counter suing and all sorts of yeah. things, isn't there? It's going to really tie those two companies up in because they, they both, in, neither of them have any kind of intellectual property that they can trade off with. Like, yeah. you know, Apple and, um, Samsung, Qualcomm have been having oh, a yeah, massive yeah. fight, haven't they? But that's yeah. all been solved financially <clears throat> because they're sharing the technology. But this, mm. this seems, sounds like they've just come out with, with nothing made. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Bizarre. But yeah, yeah, a total, total cock uh, um, up. Yes, I don't think it's very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Things are is good. I saw um, the first poster designer's blue plaque has been awarded and put on a home in Golders Green. Yeah, uh, Abram Games. Yeah, um, I had to look him up because I am not very knowledgeable about these things, but I recognised loads of his posters that he had made uh go and look at his i just spent 10 minutes having a look through his body of work um and what an astonishing body of work it is i think he did the i've got a an old um a program for the festival of britain yes he, he designed he that, that star didn't he? didn't he yeah yeah really recognizable his work hmm yeah yeah mid-century gorgeousness but glad to see um, designers getting some kind of credit. Yeah. Uh, last bit of news for me is uh, if you're a Hellboy fan, oh dear. Uh, as we are, there's a really good um, interview with Mike Mignola up on Vulture. Okay. Uh, Vulture.com. Is that worth a read? Uh, it is. He talks... Uh, quite a lot about how they they approach this film <clears throat> and um how he regrets letting uh 
go of the character um, in terms of film. Obviously, he owns all the rights for it. But he says you know, that every film. <laughs> well, he 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 talks wistfully, really, about the uh, Del Toro films in this article. So, oh uh, yeah, I mean, there's a. I'll, uh, I'll give you a quick taster. What were your conversations with director Neil Marshall like? Well, I never, uh, I mean, I never, never really had much of a conversation with Neil. Neil, I only met him once or twice before filming began. So all the talk before this film started about it being really true to the, the comics and to the spirit of Hellboy. Uh, I don't really know how you can do that with just having a couple of brief chats with the, the creator. So, so what, um, have you seen it? I haven't. No. Um, and I probably won't bother going to the cinema to see Really? But you're a big Hellboy fan. I am a big Hellboy fan, but I, I thought the first time I saw a clip of it, I thought that doesn't look like the Hellboy I know. Not mm. just in looks, but the kind of whole feel of it. Yeah. Um, there's been a whole thing on Twitter about how bad it is and why don't we have a either an animated version and just let the people who've done Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse do it. Because have you seen that? Not yet. That is an absolute tour de force. It's done with such verve. It's astonishing. Or they should let the people behind um, Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, the Leica studio, so stop motion. Okay. They'd be brilliant at it. Well. But just give up on live action Hellboy for the foreseeable future. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's all my news. I'm actually uh, talking of Hellboy. Oh. I'm sitting by oh, of course. a very large box that I still haven't gone through yet. Um, you have I've opened got, it. Yeah, I have opened it. I haven't taken everything out or undone anything. There's lots, isn't there? Yeah, it's a massive board game box um, with the most beautiful miniatures. Mm. They, they are really good. I thought they'd be soft plastic, you know, slightly bendy, but uh, mm-hmm. like your old um, Airfix jobbies. But no, they're really crisp. Uh, not quite as up there with Games Workshop, but the, it's definitely a step yeah. in the right direction. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing that. You're going to paint them? Yeah. Cool. Mm. There's about 100, isn't there? Yeah, there are a lot. Good luck. <laughs> have you got a website of the week? Yeah, I have. I haven't. We might have done this one before, but it just made me laugh so much. I don't know where I found this. Um, I love them. It's the Hoxton Street Monster Supplies. Have we had this on the show before? Uh, we might have mentioned them. Right. Um, so it's just a it's a sweet shop that or snack shop that sells um, monster related treats. Uh, like stuff. you can buy dra- dragon treats. Um, <coughs> you can buy Eskil- yeah <laughs> earwax, yeah. banshee balls, fang floss. You know, it's kind of a bit Harry Pottery, a bit. Roll, darling. The shop itself is is lovely. It's a really lovely little shop. But the thing that really got me laughing so much is at the top there's a bar and um, it says this page has been automatically translated for humans. So if you you drop down the menu, you've yeah, got I'm humans, mummies, mummies vampire bats. Do a vampire bat. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, it turns. Well, I won't so, say. Just go yeah. and do it. It's yeah, yeah. monstersupplies dot org and it's. A website that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Um, and uh, behind this, uh, the Ministry of Stories. So basically the uh, Monster Supplies is a, a front, if you like, a fundraising front for the Ministry of Stories, which run uh, kind of creative writing workshops for kids. Um, they go into That's schools and do stuff. It. And, and they're, they're just brilliant. 
Absolutely fantastic. We love them. <laughs> uh, so uh, you've got a zombie pie from the freezer, yeah? Yeah. Shall I taste it? It's a bright and summery ratatouille pie with a crunchy Ooh. ciabatta crumb. I'm still working through these ones my wife bought, thinking were absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So I've cracked I've been nibbling at the edge. Oh, my God, it looks disgusting. It, it looks like um, it's got a kind of crust. It's like a crumble. Yeah. It's a typical higgity-piggity pie on around the outside. Yeah. But it's got like a slimy orange filling that it, kind of like baked beans or something. Ooh. Oh, it's Sorry, not. is it vegetarian? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nasty. Um, yeah, I'd eat it if I was hungry, but it's like tomato soup inside. Yep. And then ratatouille on top of that. That's not a pie, is it? No, that's curious. Out of ten? Uh, two. Oh, two. Excellent. Yep. Back, uh, back oh. with a vengeance. <laughs> I have got a Tesco finest chicken, ham hock and leek. It's quite a weird pie. It's very cylindrical, like a bit like a scotch pie. Okay. Uh, very, very crisp pastry, dusted with, I think, is it sort of semolina type stuff? Oh, God, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> um, quite liquid inside. Not bad. Yeah. I'd say it is under-seasoned. I might have to give that a grind of salt and pepper. But not bad. Um, I get to a six. The pastry is excellent. Well. There we go. So it could do better. There on the pie well, front. Well, we've eased ourselves back in gently. Yes, uh, that was a nice, uh, nice comforting yeah, episode. Yeah, I hope you found something there of interest that will take you off onto a bit of a random trawl of knowledge. Yeah. Um, next week, uh, well, next week we won't be able to do next week. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am going on a walk next week. How are you? Yes. A long uh, one? A long, well, three days. That's I'm, quite long, John. I'm walking from Petersfield, or just outside Petersfield, to yep. Lewis. Lewis. Oh, okay. This is um, that kind of a South Downsy type thing. Yes, we're going right. on the South Downs with a mate, um, and we're me- we're going to stop at a friend's house who lives in Stenning for a few beers. Cool. So um, I will regale you with my adventures. When Lovely. I'm is this your friend with a bad back? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, it yeah. will be. Good um, luck. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Getting away from it all. Well, we will catch up the week after. Marvellous. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, John, it's been a delight. Uh, yeah. You, what are you up to for the next week? Uh, wedding this weekend. Meeting more architects. I haven't mentioned this, but we're talking, oh. we've been talking to architects and builders about the house. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, mixed. So lots, of, lots of breath drawn in. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> um, so we've got another one coming around tomorrow to talk to us oh well good luck with that thank you yeah we'll see you in a couple of weeks if you uh, have any questions or want to send us any links to stuff that you want um, talking about then do so and also um, please like us on iTunes yes it will help us climb back up the charts uh, I imagine we're nestling down in the thousands uh, so all the reviews really help us and um, we'd appreciate it very much indeed we would indeed Um, so we'll see you in a couple of weeks will do thanks for listening everyone good to talk to you John you too cheerio cheerio bye